0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Pakistonomy. Uh, my name is Zair Yunus, and today we're going to be talking about Pakistan's wheat sector, um, in particular talking about the latest developments that have happened over the last few months in terms of wheat output, uh, Pakistan's strategic reserves of wheat, um, and the fact that the government has announced that it is going to procure and import uh, additional supplies of wheat from the international markets to build up uh, strategic reserves. To talk about this, I have with me, Adil Mansour. Many of you may have heard him in previous podcasts as well. He's the in-house Pakistani agricultural policy analyst. He writes some wonderful stuff uh, for BR Research, uh, which uh, you should definitely check out. And most recently, Adil published a piece for BR Research uh, talking about what's going on in the agricultural sector. Uh, the link to that full article is below uh, for you to check out and read. But really, we're going to talk to Adil about what's going on and why is it that despite what is a bumper crop or record output, uh, Pakistan is importing wheat. So Adil, first of all, welcome to Pakistanomy. Thank you, sir. Pleasure to be here. So let's start with the sort of 101. I know you have a presentation, uh, which those of you who are watching this video um, can see. Uh, For those of you who are on the audio version of the podcast, um, we will refer to the figures and facts that Adil is referring to. Um, So really, Adil, let's start with this 101 overview of what's going on in the agricultural sector, in particular in wheat. Um, And then we can jump in in terms of any questions that I personally have in terms of what's going on and what the policy outlook is
1: okay so this whole debate around whether pakistan's wheat output is actually overstated or accurately represented in the numbers started when the government announced two made two announcements almost simultaneously in may first although we were not expecting the crop to be to show a shortfall the crop actually gave a record output of 27.3 million tons now for those of Those among the audience who do not have a context of how these numbers go, on average, Pakistan has been producing somewhere around 24 million to 26 million tons of wheat over the past five to six years. Now, for various reasons, maybe due to water shortages, maybe due to better incentives on other competing crops such as maize, uh, this output has been steadily falling in the past couple of years, especially during 2019 and 2020. Uh, i would like to talk about the uh, why uh, the reasons why uh, crop output was steadily falling in the past two years and how it has suddenly increased but the debate started when government claimed uh, especially punjab government that pakistan had achieved record output numbers of 27.3 million tons now that announcement first came from punjab's food minister Alim khan soon after it re- reflected in the National Accounts Committee's uh, GDP estimates, and then eventually, although some of us were optimistic that when the economic survey is finally published in June, the, uh, the GOP might take a more rational view of the situation, it doubled down on those numbers and basically restated whatever claims that uh, Government of Punjab earlier and National Accounts Committee had later stated. So as things stand, the GOP is clear that Pakistan has had a record output of wheat. Now, just for those really
0: quickly, sorry to interrupt you, Adil here, but really quickly for those of of us who may not be familiar, why is it important to have the numbers coming in from the Punjab and not any other province? Just clarify that part for people.
1: So Punjab, uh, if you can hear me, has seventy-five percent historically, uh, the share in Pakistan's wheat output, and that's not just true for wheat, it's true for most of cereals and grains, and cotton, especially. Uh, Punjab is the bread basket or the agri-basket of Pakistan, so to speak. Sindh, although has had better yields in the past 15, 20 years, but the area under cultivation is so low in Sindh and basically non-existent in Punjab, in KP and Balochistan. And the reason why Punjab gives such great yields is not just because of the fact that it has more area under cultivation, but, but simply because it has the largest irrigated canal network in the world that we already know of the industry, in the Indus Basin. Anyway. So the other announcement that the government made in May 2021 was that it simultaneously announced plans to import three to four million tons of wheat. I had earlier understood that number to be at three million tons, but As the details have come forward, that number stands at 3 million tons G2G, like that, that is government-to-government imports or imports to Trading Corporation of Pakistan, which will be funded through taxpayers' money, and another additional 1 million tons of imports to the private sector. That means with those 27.3 million tons of wheat that the government is claiming Pakistan has produced in the ongoing marketing year, plus 4 million, you are standing somewhere around 31.5 million tons. And unless you assume that Pakistan has no opening stock, so no ending, no carryover inventory from the last year, and we start a new year with zero inventory, Pakistan's wheat availability will come to stand, as I will show later on in the presentation, somewhere around 34 to 35 million tons if the plant imports go. Now, I would like to be clear about one thing. If Pakistan needs imported wheat, there should be no compunction. Or reservations on imports. Importing agricultural commodities or raw materials or intermediate goods should never be a matter of national pride or nationalistic ego. It's a matter of of feeding the hungry hundreds of millions. So if you do not have enough wheat imported if you do not have enough cotton imported heck if you do not have enough sofas import them as well. So the uh, position I'm taking over here is not that the imports are bad. Right. The position is if imports are really needed as GOP has estimated, what are these assumptions based on? And has Pakistan's wheat requirement increased overnight? Is this what has happened? Or were we previously understating these wheat requirements and now that we have a better national reserve in place, we are now coming back to our older uh, national consumption patterns? Or have we overstated the production for whatever reasons. So I think it's best that I start with the screen sharing now so that people can look at the numbers as well.
0: Yeah, sure, please go ahead,
1: yes. All right. Yeah, Uh, can you see the screen? Yes. Just one thing I'd like to go through the screen. Yeah. So, So How do Pakistan's wheat uh, numbers go? First off, we have, as I stated with you before also, have no idea on a national, provincial or non-governmental level as to what Pakistan's wheat consumption numbers are. The general assumption is, either in the governmental sector or in the private sector, that Pakistan's wheat consumption stands at 125 to 115 kg per capita And those assumptions are based on, in my opinion, historical availability of wheat not as much as what actual consumption may be at the ground. Now, uh, why do I say that? Because, say, for example, that Pakistan's national average per capita calorie requirement is what, 2.300 calories. And if you say that out of the 2.300 calories, maybe half or 60% of those calories are being fulfilled by wheat flour. I think that's a very overly generous number to assume, 60% of your natural, your daily calorie requirement being fulfilled by wheat. But even if you go by that number, that's somewhere around 600 grams or of, of 400 grams of wheat per day. And even at that level, you will end up at 75 grams per, per day and if you take that number together, it will somewhere around at add, 11 to 15 million tons of wheat requirement for human consumption. So where else and where is all the extra wheat going? I think that number, that 125 kg per capita itself is fallacious. In any case, if you look at the numbers in recent years, what happened in the last two, three years is that Pakistan's opening stock suddenly began to decline. And why did they begin to decline? Because two things happened. One, Uh, Government of Pakistan under PMLN's government uh, did not increase the support price of wheat. And because government did not increase the support price of wheat, uh, farmers began to shift towards other competing crops. That over time reduced the rate of growth in wheat output and not necessarily the overall wheat output. And because the growth rate declined while your population base was increasing, your overall wheat availability declined per capita. The second thing that happened, and that is extremely important, in my opinion, is that in the election year, PMLN decided to export wheat. And not only did it export wheat, it also announced a freight subsidy of somewhere around $50 per tonne on wheat that was priced close to $175 per tonne. Now, when that happens, and I think more than the quantum of of actual export, the farmers react very strongly to price signals. Now, when you tell farmers that the government of Pakistan is not interested in increasing your support price, the price at which it purchases wheat from you, but instead it believes it has such excess amount of wheat in storage that it is now trying to sell it off to other countries and not only sell it off, it's giving freight subsidy of $50 uh, per ton, which is come, comes around at 25% of the actual cost of wheat, right? Of the actual price of wheat, I'm sorry. So farmers react very strongly to those signals. And then you will see a steep decline in Pakistan's wheat output between 2018 and 2019. Now, these are marketing years. These are not fiscal years. Marketing years start in April and end in May. So, for example, this 27.3 million output for 2021 reflects in marketing year 2022. Why? Because the harvest ends in May. So that's when we start our marketing year. I hope that's clear. Anyway. So, so two things happens in 2018-2019. First, government of Pakistan does not increase support price and that support price had not increased for the last four or five years, by the way. Two, not only did the government of Pakistan did not increase support price, it also allowed wheat exports. As you will notice, the quantum of export is not a lot. One, 1 million upon 26 million tons is not, is not a lot by any measure. But in any case, farmers reduce the uh, Area under wheat cultivation, the area under wheat cultivation decline, and you see a steep decline in Pakistan's wheat output in 2019 and 2020. What's most interesting, however, is that the PTI government, when it comes into power, it continues with the policy of PML and, and government to continue exporting wheat. Now, why did that happen? Pakistan also simultaneously had taken a steep devaluation of its currency, which all of a sudden made commodity export very competitive. And when that happened, that again sent another price signal to the farmers that the even the new government, which had been seen or assumed to be more farmer friendly than what PMLN was supposed to be, is also not interested in supporting farmers or increasing area under wheat or wheat output. So area under wheat continue to decline in the first two years of PTI as well, which is why you see the output declining to 24.3 and 25.2, again, very low levels. Now, twenty MY21, the marketing A21, is this is your COVID year by the way. This is where Pakistan's opening stock are lowest. Now these opening stocks include both private sector stocks, which are based on estimates and government stocks uh, or public sector stocks of food departments and PASCO, the government procurement agency, which are disclosed in survey. So in any case, because these were the lowest uh, opening stocks in, I think, at least 10 years, government of Pakistan announced a steep procurement target of 8 million tons. Now, when government enters the wheat market it enters as the sole buyer because it bans private sector from procuring wheat while government is in the market when food markets are buying from the farmers private sector cannot because the government needs to make sure that its target is met now in last now during last year when 8 million tons of uh, wheat procurement target was announced by the government 8 upon 25 becomes 20 uh, i think actually 33% Now, this is the highest wheat procurement target in terms of actual output in history of Pakistan. Now, when you do that, you're sending another price signal to the farmers. You're saying, although we have not increased the price at which we will buy the crop from you or the output from you, we believe there's a steep shortage in the market or there's going to be sheep shortage in the country, which is why we are scared and we are going to buy as much wheat as possible and build up our reserve stocks, which is what happened last year. Then farmers... Because they knew, they understood the price signal very well. They tried not to sell to government because they understood that if they just waited for another two, three months and sold and sell uh, tried to sell their wheat to the private sector, they would be able to uh, fetch a better price. Because open market prices, say, were at 1800 when government was trying to buy the wheat at just 1400 Right? This is last year. So government does another thing. And it says that farmers cannot st- store more than one ton of wheat at home. Whether it is for their own use, their farm, their on-farm use, or for their family use, or even as seed storage. Now that sends another price signal to the market says there's the wheat short, shortage is so acute that farmers cannot even save wheat for use as seed in the next season. Simultaneously now that now this is by the way the year in which government is adamant that Pakistan has sufficient wheat. We are only procuring a lot to build up our reserves. And we don't need to import more. This is last year. uh,
0: I I have a question here. Just help me understand this. Um, Okay, we enter marketing year 21, COVID, Mm -hmm. you know, with about 5 million tons of strategic reserves. Um, That's about, what, 20% of the total consumption based on the chart that you have, roughly speaking, right? Um, If you are the government, why would you so aggressively buy product in a year where this is the concern or the market is reading into what you're doing as being a sign of a shortage why wouldn't you just further release your strategic reserve to maintain the market pricing
1: okay so i what i will do is i will reshare the screen and go back to my price graphs to make you to help you understand what happened prior to covid yeah let's start over here
0: Maybe this is this. this is me like look you know viewing things as like you know just out of no no awareness of how the wheat markets in Pakistan work. But I would assume a rational actor would look at the fact that the market participants are looking at what is a shortage. Um, I would release my strategic reserves to break the price that is escalating in the market. But okay, we can see your chart now.
1: Okay, so so do, uh, by the way, those opening stocks do not represent government stocks alone. They they include type sector stocks as well. But okay. uh, apart from that caveat, what you see is pre-COVID, Pakistan's wheat prices had already increased by somewhere around 15 to 20% between uh, September 2019 and February 2020. If you look at these flour retail prices over here, starting from November 19, bottom there's a sudden spike between November, uh, uh, November 19 to May 20, and this is pre-COVID period. And this is also the period when wheat sowing begins and harvest starts around April. The government was already under extreme market pressure and public pressure due to this 15 to 20% rise in uh, retail prices of, of flour. Now, in order to curb that, what government would do is government would build its reserve stocks ideally and then release them at a subsidized price to wheat processing mills who will then sell the flour at a lower price to the retail consumer and which would eventually, hopefully, bring the prices down.
0: And the right? hope here is that the ones who are getting the subsidized wheat will pass that subsidy on to the consumer in the market.
1: Exactly. But what if when the government is setting the wheat support price at 1400 rupees, the open market prices are already at 1800 or 2000? and somewhere around September or October of the same year 2020 international prices also start climbing back. Now government has to set a new support price so it gives you a 25-30% increase in support price and then you say the market price is now going to be set around 1800. So the subsidy that you gave of 400 rupees between May and November that's basically gone to waste because the price at which you were first adamant at Setting the wheat price, uh, flour prices in coming days and coming months, you no longer can stick to that price anymore. And there's another uh, double whammy if you want to understand this graph better. Now, if you notice during the PMLN government, this is uh, 2013 to 2018, the wheat support price remains remarkably stable because the government basically decided that it did not need to change it or increase it.
0: This was the another way to control
1: inflation, pretty much. Yes. Now, because it did not increase the support price, the flower retail prices did not increase either. Eventually, it had a snowball effect on your output in 2019-2020. But look at there's something else that's happening simultaneously. This is the time that international prices had declined to the lowest 160 and 175 dollars per ton. Your equivalent prices are even at that time, we're closer to $150 per tonne. So what happens here is that when international prices increase, you need to make sure that your farmer gets the market's worth in terms of international price. So right now, the base price, the support price of wheat is equivalent to international market price, which is somewhere around $275 per tonne, which, which converts to roughly around 1,900 rupees or 2,000 rupees. 40 kgs. But when these international prices eventually come down as they did during PMLN's era, you cannot pass on that, that benefit to either yourself as government nor to the consumer. Why? Because you have already increased the farmer support price and those prices are upward sticky. Right? You cannot reduce the price to farmer because farmer will say, Yeah, me some. Input prices have gone up, right? My input prices have gone up. My fertilizer prices have gone up. My pesticide prices have gone up. My land rent and uh, prices of my labor costs have, have gone up. So I cannot, so you cannot reduce the price at which you buy wheat from me. So I will not it sell is, it. To
0: which you. is very similar to what a lot of those who are watching and listening, if you want the analogy, it's similar to what people complain about auto prices, right, where the currency dev- devalues or depreciates, auto manufacturers raise the price. But when the currency came back from 165 to 155, auto manufacturers did not pass that benefit on to the consumer because prices are output sticky.
1: Except the problem over here is that it is the government and in turn, we the taxpayers who is paying for the subsidy, right? Correct. Anyway, so going back to those output numbers again.
0: Really quickly, that's an important point. Uh, and we'll switch to this slide in just a moment because th- that then means that the taxpayer the citizen basically is being hit on two ends, one on the exactly. subsidy and two on the higher flower prices that they have to pay at the marketplace.
1: Actually, I would argue that the consumer or the citizen, the taxpayer is being hit on three levels. And I will come to that the next slide on the commodity procurement operations uh, slide I have next. Anyway, so I was, I was discussing these wheat production numbers with you before now. If your consumption is 125 kg per capita, you can use the exaggerated figure of population of 235 million people also, and even then you will arrive at somewhere around 29, 28, 29.5 million tons of consumption. Now let's for seconds do not go into the detail of why Pakistan must have reserve stocks, and let's take it on face value that we must have reserve stocks. How much reserve stocks do you need? How do you calculate that requirement? If your opening stocks are 5 million tons or 4 million tons, and you have production of 27 million tons, should you be importing? Yes, you should be importing when there's a deficit, but should you be importing when there's a surplus? And most importantly, should you be importing using taxpayers' money or borrowed funds from the commercial banks at a time when international prices are at the eight year peak? International wheat prices, as is seen in other food commodities also, are at the highest level in eight to nine years, be it for wheat, maize, soybean, rice, or cotton. Now, should the government be in the business of buying? And and it is true what Shadi Phantata says, when the government or any government uh, enters the international wheat market as a strategic buyer, and it takes with it this an equivalent of 20% of national demand as it's purchasing water and says, look, I'm here to buy 4 million tons of wheat, it would affect, have an impact on international prices. Pakistan may be a big consumer, Pakistan may be a small consumer, Pakistan may be an underdeveloped market or, or a developed market, that does not matter. You cannot walk into international markets tomorrow and say, "I." when USDA is saying that, you know what, Pakistan will only import maybe 1 million tons, you cannot, when USD is saying, saying that international uh, experts are saying something, and if you say no, we are going to buy four million tons. That is going to have an impact on international market, market prices. And when it does, you as uh, a taxpayer are going to pay for the for that impact because government will be purchasing maybe not at two seventy five tons, but uh, uh, two seventy five dollars per ton. It will probably be purchasing at three hundred fifteen dollars per ton, or 325 twenty five dollars per ton.
0: And again, that's wow. just a rational market behavior, right? If, if exactly. the tradi- expectation is a country like Pakistan will be buying 1 million tons and all of a sudden it says, no, it's actually 4X, the market is going to look at it and say, well, nothing's changed on the supply side of the market. Um, in fact, it's probably getting worse given climate change and the weather patterns we've seen so far this year. Um, and oh, by the way, the strategic buyer needs another three million tons. So demand supply basically supply is the same, demand has gone up, and boom, prices exactly. will go up by by definition.
1: Exactly. Now, understand another thing over here. When when I was talking about the eight million tons of procurement last year, the government was not able to procure all of it. Probably procured it somewhere around six point five million tons last time. But then it also imported three million tons. So government stocks went up to 9 million tons. Now, I'm sure government released some of it, which I do not have data on during the year. But eventually, if you already have carryover imports from last year and you claim you have a higher output, now there are two things again happening over here. USDA claims that Pakistan produced 26 million, not 27, and will still import only 1 million tons. So so USDA estimates that including carryover stocks, Pakistan national requirement should be carrier stocks plus one plus 26, 27 million tons. You are saying no, we produce 27.3 million tons and yet we need another 4 million tons. So, where is all this consumption coming from? Now, when we talk about this on Twitter, people like to comment that this is the Afghanistan, the, the smuggling to Afghanistan and the government accounting for sm, uh, smuggling to Afghanistan. And I only have one question to ask should any government be financing <laughs> procurement? only so that smuggling to another country can be subsidized does that make any rational sense i don't know anyway also now,
0: subsidized at a, at the peak of the bull market in the commodity <laughs> industry
1: exactly now there's only one theory i have so far come to explain what may have happened with government numbers. I emphasize and de-emphasize that this is only a theory because I do not have any evidence beyond what I am going to present to you right now. And a disclaimer, I do not myself believe that the government of Pakistan could make a blunder of of these proportions in its data collection, but here it is. So for the viewers, so, I had written a story of a BR research last week. Maybe Ozair can also uh, put the link to the actual government documents uh, in the description to the video. But what ha- basically happens is follows. Pakistan does not obviously go into the fields and count every grain of wheat that is produced, right? What you do is you uh, you conduct multiple service. Government of Pakistan or provincial governments conduct three surveys specifically. Uh, the first survey is conducted in somewhere around November to or, or December to estimate how what is the area under cultivation, then another survey is conducted to confirm that area and whether there have been due to rains or any other flooding. And then finally, there is a survey where government tries to estimate what has been the yield po- during the post-harvest season of April and May, now because within uh, locally in Pakistan, the, the metric system of measurement is not followed, we follow the system of uh, the imperial system of acres and mounds, when original Urdu is called man, ek man do man, right? So the yield is measured in man, and that man, historically, in the economic survey documents and the official documents of Pakistani government, whether it's economic survey, or state bank documents, or agricultural statistics of Pakistan, or livestock census, anything for that matter, that one mon or one mon has historically been held equal to 37.3242 kgs, right? Now, the Punjab government for some odd reason in its calculation of mon during this this season has changed the definition of mon to 40 kgs. Now, most people might miss it because the wheat support price is actually set equal to 40 kgs, because that's the way it has been. The market prices are set equal to 40 kgs historically. When you talk about a month in the market, you're referring to 40 kg. But when you estimate output uh, for the government uh, statistics, it's done at 37.3242 kg. Now, because that yield per acre Of productivity per acre is being calculated in one, which was historically equal to 7.3242 kgs. That yield is then later converted into metric tons for official documents and so on and so forth. Now, because this year the calculation has been changed to 40 kgs, when these numbers are converted back to kilograms and metric tons, you get an overstatement of 1.4 million tons. Now, Everything that I'm saying is based on statistical documents that are present on crop reporting services of Government of Punjab as we speak. I have linked those documents even in my article for Business Recorder. And as far as I checked today, uh, that that document and those documents were still online. But for some odd reason, Government of Punjab has done that, and I cannot explain why. But if it does that, and if that is what has happened, the yield estimation from Punjab, if you can just... Uh, bear with me, Punjab uh, cultivates somewhere around I think 12 to 14 million acres of land for wheat every year. Now when you convert that number into hectares, that number becomes if I'm not wrong, that number would, would become somewhere close to 6 million hectares. Now 6 million hectares when you multiply it 2.5 kg overstatement per per, hect- per hectare, 2.5 g into 40 per hectare, you get an overstatement of 1.4 million tons. Now, when that number feeds into the national output estimate, it gets an overstatement of 1.4 million tons. Now, again, one additional disclaimer, I'm grateful to Punjab government that despite this error, it is the only provincial government that does share any data on agricultural output so were it not for Punjab government's forthcoming nature with data i would not be the consultant or i or the analyst that i am today because they present and publish copious amounts of data on their website on the agriculture marketing services website on the crop reporting services website so if they have made an error it's all right it becomes a problem on a policy making level because there's a government which has, which is probably, I would emphasize, cognizant that there has been an overstatement. Now, whether that overstatement was made erroneously by Crop Report Services of Punjab or by design does not matter. The government is claiming simultaneously that we have record output, and simultaneously claiming that we need record imports. Now, that seems to be a government which seems to be aware that there is some sort of problem with its estimates. Now, that problem may not be the problem that I am pointing pointing to, it may be an, a different problem altogether. For all you know, the government of Pakistan may actually be may, accounting for the civil war that might break into Afghanistan uh, that might happen in Afghanistan in coming days, and if that happens support, but all of those theories I believe would make even less sense than what I am offering here. The question really is the government of Pakistan needs to step forward and say and argue as to why it believes that Pakistan needs record 4 million tons of import in a year when it has a record wheat output. How was it that Pakistan? Let, let yeah. me
0: let me pause you here because this is super fascinating, right? So you go from thirty-seven point three two four two to forty kilo calculations. That automatically is a seven percent ish um, increase in the numbers that you are expecting um, or are projecting in terms of output. So okay, you overestimated production there. Comes to one point four million. Um, You earlier said that the government went from or the USDA even says importing 1 million to 4 million. So even if you know or are cognizant of the fact that perhaps let's say one and a half million tons, let's make it 2 million tons is your overestimation in terms of output. You would Mm -hmm. go from 1 to 3. Why are you going from 1 to 4 still remains a question because there is an additional delta there in terms of the overestimation in production. Um, but your point, even on the Afghan side, is valid because if, let's say, the expectation is from the National Security Division um, that we expect a million or one million and a half refugees to flock into Pakistan, given the civil war that is brewing in Afghanistan, um, okay, that makes sense. But you're right. Somebody needs to explain the logic behind using taxpayers' money to import an additional amount of wheat in a year where there's high output. Um, and there is a bull market in the wheat glow international wheat market. like somebody needs to explain that.
1: Exactly. So if you will see the intersection of uh, consumption line with the bars in this graph, you will notice that the delta between overall of net, net availability ha- will increase dramatically with these imports coming in this year compared to almost the past three years at least. We have not seen this delta in availability in the past many years. Now, all of this is fine, provided that this additional availability of wheat was taking place through private sector and nobody was funding this unfunded subsidy, so to speak, right? Because government will, if it's buying at $325 $325 per ton from the international market, it still aims to not allow the flour prices to increase. So when it will eventually start releasing the imported uh, imported commodity into the domestic market, it will then once again give a subsidy to flour mills, who will purchase this at a lower price than the, than the full cost at which it has been procured. Now, the full cost, by the way, I would now like to come to my Commodity operation uh, debt. And really
0: quickly on the debt slide, like so when when that happens um, in terms of the release at subsidized rates from imported wheat, the smuggling is even more incentivized because all of a sudden the mark the flour that's being released at the subsidized rate in the market is cheaper than what the international prices are, which is what Afghanistan would have otherwise had to buy in this instance, meaning that there is an incentive to smuggle that wheat into Afghanistan because the market price of that wheat, if Afghanistan were to import it, would be far higher than what the government of Pakistan is releasing in its own territory. But it goes across the border because it's a porous border, which also then brings me to another point. And then I'll let you go to the um, commodity debt part. If Pakistan is then arguing that we have fenced 88 percent or 90 percent of the border and we're uh, you know stopping the flow of goods and services and people, not services across the border yeah, and the didn't. western side. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I was just saying like, and then the government of Pakistan claims that we're fencing the border to stop the movement of goods and people. Then how is that stuff getting through is another question. We won't get into that. But again, the explanations themselves, if they were logical, lead to further questions that need to be asked as well.
1: Now, there are people who in, I think, last year, July and August visited the Torquem border and posted uh, pictures and videos of wheat laden trucks at the Turham border from our side and in the Afghanistan side. To that, I will add no more. So, <laughs> on to the commodity operation. Let's <laughs> talk. Yeah. Uh, so, the problem with the commodity operation is that government purchases, like we said before, from the farmer at above market price because it needs to or it believes it needs to build up its reserve stocks or strategic stocks which it releases to the market slowly over the over the following months now because government is paying an additional price not only does it have an impact on its finances by the way but it also has an impact on the local market prices or the open market prices of wheat. Why? Because the government is, like we said, is the strategic buyer in the market because it buys 20 to 35% or 33% of the national production. Now, beyond that, because the government is cash-strapped, it finances almost all or most of its uh, wheat purchases through bank borrowing, which, by the way, for both PASCO, which is the federal procurement agency and provincial food departments happens at Kybor plus a spread, which the spread goes up to hundred pips, by the way. Now, because government then releases that this wheat again at a subsidy, because it needs to ensure stable flour prices in the market. It not only is paying more for purchasing that wheat, but is some part of its cost upon its sell-off. So for example, if wheat has been purchased at 1,800, in all likelihood, it will be sold off at 1,600. Now, not only is there this delta of 200 rupees, there is financing cost to begin with. Then there's inventory carrying costs, there is cost of storage, there is labor costs, there's infrastructure costs, there's cost of uh, having all the, all of those silos and etc. Now, if you will notice in this graph, the federal procurement agency Pasco which is in pink or red, has outstanding debt stock of somewhere around 200 billion rupees, which has become hardcore in the past 10 years. Why has it become hardcore? because while Pasco's outstanding debt has uh, while Pasco's outstanding debt has remained unchanged, Pasco increasingly has been purchasing less and less wheat over the years because it does simply does not have the financial capacity. Now, PASCO's case, it's interesting, even though it may not be a big player in the, in the procurement market anymore, because PASCO, as I had pointed out in an earlier story, is only 25% owned by government of Pakistan. The remainder of PASCO's shares are actually owned by what used to be government-owned banks back in the day, which are HBL, UBL, ABL, and I think National Bank. And, uh, and MCB, I'm sorry, let's not forget MCB and I think Bank of Punjab also. And these are not only the owners of Pasco or part owners of Pasco, they're also the lead lenders to Pasco, right? Now, so Pasco's hardcore debt stands as it is. Pasco's borrowing year on year keeps on inching up, which while most of it is increasingly going towards funding the outstanding markup. So, and then there are the provincial food department. Now, in the case of provincial food departments, again, you will notice that although the, the outstanding debt stock is not as hardcore, there's some degree of movement. Uh, it bottoms out in March when Pakistan has basically, uh, when the wheat marketing it ends and it peaks in June when uh, procurement is at its peak. You will notice that the outstanding debt stock averages somewhere around between 500 billion to 600 billion rupees over here, but the actual procurement operation by all of the food departments is only of hundred or 150 billion rupees. That debt stock that you see over here is due to again, the buildup of all the past years where the government gave subsidy on the release price of wheat. So, by the way, the State Bank of Pakistan in its 2019 financial stability review notes that the commodity procurement debt stands at total public sector interest debt of Pakistan. That's commodity operations debt for you, which not only takes from citizen, the average citizen, the average taxpayer at the input stage when the government is buying wheat at a higher price, but then is selling that wheat to flour mills at a lower price and then I leave it to the judgment of the average citizen or the average listener whether they get wheat at market prices or uh, whether they get flour eventually at market prices or at subsidized prices.
0: So basically uh, actually, you, you have uh, circular debt being built up in this entire mm-hmm. chain. Um, the yeah. example of Pasco is even more angering and frustrating than anything else because basically you have a partially government-owned entity that is also owned by these banks, which is basically you know, you could, if you're those banks, you could basically run the the debt book of this PASCO with one person, right? Um, sitting on at home. So basically... I used one to be pers- a banker
1: in my past life. I'm sorry. Uh, I used to be a banker in my past life and you're absolutely right. Within the corporate banking department, there was only one person who used to handle... And he, he used to be a general manager level person who used to handle all of commodity operations uh, for the south the southern region so, so yeah, basically yeah so,
0: this is one of the most profitable uh, debt desks in any bank in terms of 200 billion rupees that is just there that is being revolved around at kibor plus 100 bips. and you know that's extremely profitable and it's it's pissing off because that is money that otherwise would flow to the poor and needy people of this country we talk about expanding sas and Benazir income support program and subsidies for that and subsidies for that but ultimately this is 200 billion dollar rupees sitting in a bank being managed for an extremely high profitable rate where the profit margin is huge if you take into account the cost of one person sitting at a desk um yeah. but no one talks about it which is just like I don't, get, like, I don't even want to get in my rant over here. And then you have the other part of the debt, which has basically doubled um, in the last decade, right? In terms of going exactly. from about 400 billion to 800 billion rupees. And all of this is just sitting there and a lot of money is being made on the interest and the revolving nature of this debt. Um, and Oh, by the way, you're right. It doesn't lead to any benefits to common citizen, which is paying through the ro- through their nose. For ever increasing flour prices, so I mean, this is just insane.
1: Absolutely. Now, having said everything, if we were just to assume that Pakistan needs import, it only raises the question: Why can the import requirement not be fulfilled through the private sector? Right? The government is already in the business, in the procurement business, and it manages twenty to twenty percent of the national uh, domestic supply. Does it also have to be a clearing? The international market now and really quickly the scene, there,
0: that brings me to yeah. gives me a thought i'm sorry to interrupt you here again but in any rational market that is operating on demand and supply if a major actor says i have a record output of something and oh by the way i'm going to import another record amount of this product forget if it's wheat or whatever whatever that thing might be um, that signal alone in terms of a press release that comes out will send the price of that product crashing down in the open market because everyone will realize there's a whole lot of supply coming through the door. But that doesn't happen with the flower prices in Pakistan. Why? Because they're marked up and there's a floor on them set by the government Absolutely. itself. So it's just insane Absolutely. that all of this is happening in this market.
1: Absolutely. Now, if Pakistan needs 4 million tons at current prices, it will probably add somewhere around $1.3 Dollars of agricultural import bill in the on, in the upcoming year, which is which has to be paid whether the private sector purchases it right or the government purchases it. The government will in the, in the international market. The government will have to purchase at market prices. It will not get any subsidy or any support or any uh, discount in the international market just because it's entering with a large purchase order. The international commodity market sells at market prices. Correct. It will, it can jack up the prices just uh, by the share size or quantum of its purchase order but it can no way have a downward effect on those prices in any case now government will import again this 1.2 billion dollars worth of import it will store this for a year or two meanwhile the commodity market which is currently on a bull run could once again see a decline for So many reasons, whether it's oil prices going down, whether it's OPEC breaking. If the international uh, commodity prices and wheat prices specifically start coming down, or because these purchases.
0: Or because the government of Pakistan says that we're not procuring 4 million tons, and that in and of itself will bring the prices crashing down. Not crashing down, but a
1: decline in them. Absolutely. As I was pointing out earlier, what will happen is you have set your base price in green, as you can see, support price equivalent to current peak international market price level as you had done earlier in 2008 over here when wheat prices later on came down your flour prices even though they were subsidized in red this is subsidized this red line is highly subsidized yet you were not able to pass on the the effect to your, your average customer or average consumer later on in 2013 or 2012 again you increased the support price because the international market saw a bull run for a short while your prices remain at the level which they were international uh, market came down for the next four years the international market prices were low yet you were not able, your average consumer may have thought that flower prices are not increasing. Hey, PMLN is doing such a great job at at managing the administrative side of prices, which is what day dreams about right now. Yet, for all intents and purposes, the average consumer in Pakistan was purchasing uh, flower at a steeply higher rate compared to what international market prices would have been at that time. Later on, when you devalued your currency again, the international market prices again climbed up and later international market prices had a bull run also because of which you had to eventually, in order to incentivize your farmer to grow wheat and to invest in uh, yield maximizing inputs, you had to increase your wheat support price again very steeply and in a very sudden fashion. Now the support price will remain where as it is the flower price will remain where as it is. The international prices, which have a historic range of $150 per ton to $300 per ton, and that is where they have remained for the past 30 years, sooner or later they will come down to that level again, while your average consumer will be paying what, 60 rupees per kg or 1200 kg, 1200 rupees for 20 kgs flower bag. Which is what? what by, the, by
0: the way, looking at the long-term mm-hmm. chart, if you look at like yep. November 07, the red line, which is about let's say 15 rupees, it's now mm-hmm. at 55 or let's it's closer to 60. You had a four times increase in the per kilo flour retail price in the last 14 yeah. years or so. Um, you have had a doubling of the commodity debt in that period, um, and you've had billions of rupees paid in interest payments on that commodity debt. And oh, by the way, the $1 billion of euro bonds that were just issued by the government of Pakistan in the bond market, will basically go towards importing the wheat that we're talking about. So on, on paying what 6% or something uh, in the international bond market on the dollar. So great job, I guess.
1: So yeah, I think the questions that we need to raise are, whether Pakistan has had a record output or not, if there is appetite in the market for more imports, those imports need to take place. Is it compulsory or necessary that those imports must only happen through the the governmental sector? No, because the private sector will also, if the government intends to build its stocks, the private sector can import itself also, right? More importantly, we need to ask ourselves where is this 125 kg per capita consumption coming You look at wheat consumption numbers or flour consumption numbers for any comparable number of nations, you will not see flour consumption numbers at this level anywhere else. And over here, I would also like to point out to another of my stories where we noticed that Pakistan's while Pakistan's wheat output may not have been increasing over the past 7, 8, 10 years, and there is a possibility that per capita consumption or per capita availability may have been declining due to 2.4% annual increase in population, mean simultaneously Pakistan's production, productivity and consumption, local consumption of basmati rice has been increasing steadily. In 2009 and 11, Pakistan used to export as much as 50% of your, of Basmati production, which at that time used to be 2 million tons. So it used to export 1 million tons of Basmati. If you go to PBS right now, Pakistan maximum exports 800,000 tons of Basmati, but it produces 4 million tons of Basmati. So Basmati consumption of, or it, I will not say use of consumption Basmati local availability has gone up from 1 million tons to 3.2 million tons in the last 10 years. Obviously, that basmati consumption, that basmati must be must be being consumed locally. Now, if you look at FAO's uh, food conversion uh, data set. Unless,
0: unless, of course, the Afghanis are also basmati. eating a bunch of Kabuli plow that is coming, <laughs> that is being, you know, has Pakistani rice in it
1: to that i only have one question pakistan has had years when there was no shortage of wheat no shortage of rice and no increase in uh, wheat or flour prices or rice prices was were Afghanis is not dependent on pakistan's wheat flour and rice and cereals and grains at that time so are afghani is multiplying at the rate of five times of so, pakistan's population what is going on right but coming back to that so It's it's a very important point because while one kg of flour, of wheat flour, may feed only two to three people, a kg of rice feeds a lot more. The conversion number for rice is very high. More importantly, you have that 3.2 million additional tons of different cereal coming in, while you're also assuming that Pakistan's purchasing power and per capita income over the last decade has has been seen in a steady but slow increase, which means that there has been some shift towards higher ca- higher protein sources also. So if so, if Pakistan's dietary sources or, or sources of nourishment are increasingly becoming diversified towards higher proteins, towards different cereals, why does Pakistan's wheat demand static at 125 kgs per capita, which it used to be back when Pakistan uh, was in its 1990s more importantly if you see in other in case of other countries as countries imp- the per capita income of com- of countries increase and they climb up on the de- on the the growth and development ladder the share of grains in daily diet declines the percentage share of of grains, wheat, cereals, grain, uh, maize, rice, declines. More importantly, once again, you have to ask another question. Pakistan in the last three years, uh, or the last two years specifically, has seen almost 75% increase in its flour prices, despite the subsidy being given by the government, because it had to readjust the prices to debtor smuggling because Pakistan had taken a devaluation.